Alright guys, welcome to the second episode of the Codex West Podcast. I am Jacob, and I'm joined by my co-host Mark Pueblo. Hi, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, and Johnny Paglino. Hey there. Um, if you heard last week's episode, welcome back, and uh, thank you for tuning in again. And if you didn't, I'll explain the format real quick. Each week, uh, we're going to talk about four segments. we got a personal segment where we talk about what's going on in our lives and our heads. A media segment where we cover either music, games, film, TV, or visual art. A politics segment where we'll talk about either current events or a like a historical retrospective. And kind of an open-ended philosophy segment. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about self-improvement and what that means. Review the new, brand new album. Talk shop about the events that have unfolded in Charlottesville and what they might mean for the future of America's already tense political atmosphere. And what constitutes an act of terror. Uh, if you guys are ready, let's get right into it. Awesome. All right, cool. So we'll go go ahead and start off with the personal segment. Uh, this is going to be a pretty simple question. What do you guys do to improve your lives every day, and what's your general like personal philosophy in regards to self-improvement? Uh, Johnny, I'll let you start us off. Um, <laughs> there was this one thing on Reddit I read a while ago. It's like one of like the famous Reddit posts that's like, um, never have any zero days, where even if it's, um, if, as long as you like think in terms of you have um, a goal in mind, and even if it's just the most basic achievement like you know even if it's just like all right if i want to start a podcast let me just yeah. talk to my friends about it so yeah you know, anything anything like that as long as you never let one day go by where you're not making any amount of progress it becomes very it, it you quickly start developing things that yeah you, you get yeah, traction totally. all right because to me the um i am really bad about uh like i have a lot of self-doubt I'm just constantly doubting the things I want to do. I'm which really is, hard Which on is myself. funny because you're like so good at everything. It's, it's always, it's always <laughs> to me, it's so funny. How your low self-esteem and like how to how you have to uh, somehow like uh, meld that with your uh, ability to do just about anything you try to do. <laughs> yeah. for, for the listeners, Johnny's really like, good at everything. Like really good at pretty much everything. Extraordinarily so competent. Yeah, and it's, and it's incredibly <laughs> frustrating for the rest of us who have to deal with him all the time. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. That, that's you know I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Stop pretending. Yeah. Take the Johnny's humility yeah, is all a game. <laughs> yeah, it's I I I. It's hard to um, reconcile my ambition because I, I feel very ambitious, but I also don't feel like I ever get anywhere at the same time. Yeah. So um. It, it's really that's like the perfect environment to like grow self-doubt that like you're actually not capable of anything but there's just so many factors outside of the things of you can only really control yourself i guess and Mm -hmm. um at the end of the day if you want to be successful any anything it's pretty important to realize it's never gonna just happen on your own yeah um there has to be a whole uh congruence of factors that lead to like any one thing being successful sure um and so as long as you're making progress and you keep that rubric in mind so that you're only judging yourself not on like the success of um you know as long as you're only judging yourself on your own success the only things that you can take into account i think it's an easy way to not like hate yourself and for you to continue <laughs> to start being like improve at anything that you want to do um and then also i would yeah. say if you're if you're worried about self improvement it's important to like maintain the the talents that you have improved in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah, of times sure. I'm like, just kind of sit and collect dust. Yeah. I have like a panoramic schizophrenic ambition. So like, there's a lot of times where 
um, I'll start something and it's like, yes, okay, awesome. And then I just like go to the next thing and yeah. any of the <laughs> That's also the like a condition. Are, yeah. That's like a general condition of a lot of like generally talented people. And I don't mean to like over aggrandize you. What I mean to say is that um, I see a lot of people who um, with uh, high capabilities, like a high capacity to achieve that recognize that like capacity for certain things and want to put you know want to put effort into particular goals and what will end up happening is that it's an overbroad goal for example or you'll be doing one thing and then feel like you're getting nowhere in a short period of time and want to move on to something else you think will move yeah, quicker exactly. or something like that and actually it's funny that you mentioned like you know you want to start a podcast right and we started this podcast and what i actually found uh, what i found so great about the way we got through to this was we kind of started casually Right. It was so it was less formalized. It was less um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't like we weren't, you know, doing minute to minute scheduling and all of these things and overthinking <laughs> right. things. We kind of just like went into it and tried to do it. Right. And yeah, if yeah, anything, that approach. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that that kind of more casual approach to certain um, uh, to certain problems or certain uh, achievements that you're looking to you know get to I think that that casual approach actually sets you up for better success than like over preparation and then feeling like you know you have to like get everything done immediately right then because you've thought of everything ahead of time or get it and done like perfectly exactly right, or get it done perfectly for example and the thing is that I want to just yeah I want to put this in a I don't how would I make this an adjective quivillion terms <laughs> uh, more quivillion terms uh, just <laughs> if you, if mark would just usually sum this up as just do things yeah <laughs> that's just so do that's cla- that, yeah that's classic yeah, yeah that's totally. classic more yeah totally absolutely <laughs> just do things and i mean yeah, and, my, and, uh, yeah. my my grandma's editor gave her like a piece of advice that was something along the lines of like she she wanted to get every single passage in the book perfect and her editor said something along the lines of like you can either uh, like write a perfect book that will never get published because you're never going to finish it, or just like submit what you have. Yeah, for sure. It's true. And, and I mean, it's also so and true. because this whole thing is also about self improvement, not just like achieving particular um, set goals. So, like to say that you want to publish a book is something that, like, the minute you publish the book, then you've published the book, right? And then you've right, achieved right. that particular goal. Like, so it's very black and white whether you have achieved it or not. And so, for example, like imagine, you know, the goals of being healthier or goals of losing weight or goals of like, you know, those kinds of things, right? Um, I think that the way that you have to approach those situations, I, Johnny got it right when the idea is that like no zero sum days, like move forward on something every day, just at least a little bit. And then don't judge yourself based on um, external criteria. Judge yourself based on um, uh, on personal criteria. And I think that particularly, like uh, a lot of self change for myself came out of major stimulus. So, for example, like it, there needed to be a catalyst. For example, for me to go to law school, right? Um, right. You know, like like I. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The key to self improvement was always Adderall. Yeah, I don't know why we're having this conversation. Clearly, amphetamines are the answer. <laughs> yeah, you know we're I mean? really just kind of skirting around the truth here. Yeah, exactly. But no, no continue. Oh, so the thing, but the thing is, when I was living in New York, I lost a very good friend of mine. He, he passed away while we were living there, and I went through like you know a really dark, depressive period. And for some, and for me at least, that became the catalyst for me like going and taking the LSAT. For example, it was that huh. like I hit I hit like a really deep low and needed to figure out something 
right? I had to somehow huh. take my energy and focus it into something. And then, yeah, totally. you know, four years later, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I just took the bar. Hopefully I, I will be a barred attorney in a couple of months. But the thing is that, um, all of that came from that initial stimulus. And sometimes I will try to, I will try to start a goal just kind of off the cuff or without some sort of like real, um, uh, catalyst. And it, de- it doesn't work as well as if I, if there's like a moment that kind of defines it for me. And that's not something that you exactly have control over. It's probably totally, something yeah. that you don't want to take. You don't want to lose the opportunity to take advantage of. Right. So if something really bad happens or there's some moment that you think is good, that's like, um, uh, a turning point or like a fork, right. Then take advantage of it in the sense that you can, um, you can realize that this is an opportunity to do something and you totally, don't want to yeah. squander that. Right. It would make, and I think that that's actually, that's actually the way that I've looked at my own self-improvement the most is that, you know, if there's something that makes me feel like I really ha- like, you know, that things are going to have to be different, then I try to take advantage of the opportunity rather than kind of just going like not trying to fix anything or not trying to do anything different. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for me, that's the way it's always worked. No, that's super cool. I feel like I'm kind of uh, almost the opposite. I'm not like a real like peaks and valleys kind of guy. I feel like my self-improvement has been like really slow and like painstaking. And that's kind of the way that I like it. Um, For sure. Where like you're not seeing like huge leaps in like learning or skill, but you're just doing something gradually like every single day. Like Johnny said, no, no zero days doesn't like uh, doesn't mean that you're just going to see like insane progress all the time. In fact, Mm -hmm. you probably won't even notice that you're improving because you're doing it every single day. So you're seeing yeah, yeah, totally. like these very really, like minute changes in, in behaviors and uh, like things that you're actually improving at. And I, I kind of like that. I like the idea of like uh, progress feeling like work. Totally. Absolutely. And like sustained progress. Yeah, exactly. I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like if you, if you get like hooked into the idea of like getting better at something as like a sort of instant gratification, like mm-hmm. deal when you don't see improvement, it, you just want to quit instead. Absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to say, or should we go ahead and move into uh, the segment that I'm sure you guys are super excited about? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so like I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about the new brand new album today. Uh, I personally was a little too young to have an emo phase. I think I was like nine, <laughs> eight or nine years old when Dejan Tendu came out, and only a year older for Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. So that was like <laughs> my only relationship oh, with, <laughs> my only relationship with like emo was through Johnny and Mark's high school band. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but totally. that being said, I, I kind of fucking love this album. Um, it, I feel like it like maybe transcends the emo label in a way that early Audis bands never really tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, like well, the, the instrumentation and the song structure just struck me as being like legitimately beautiful and it's like pristinely recorded. And oh produced. yeah, dude. The production is the outrageous. Production. It's um, so I'll good. say, I can't kind of like set it up because, um, Brand new is like my favorite band. I mean, same here. It was like time. Both yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and really let you guys give your yeah. take because I'm like 99 sure you're gonna have a lot more to say than I than I will. <laughs> oh no, it's more like all right. So like in 2015, they started releasing singles, mm-hmm. um, and it'd been a while since Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all like, oh shit, I guess they're gonna release an album, and then like nothing happens <laughs> for two years. And then they they really like they on Instagram they're like oh hey we're gonna release an album, uh, and then they just dropped a digital link for it like <laughs> that's so, yeah it's amazing <laughs> like I just out it. of nowhere I was just like like looking like through my 
links and I find, oh, brand new, just released their album. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, like, funny enough, none of the singles that they released in 2015 yeah, are on exactly. this. Exactly, completely album. new. Songs. So it's just so, like totally new material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally new. Um, I saw them around that time. Uh, with my sister <laughs> in a uh, Janice Landing, and uh, they—I don't think they played any of these songs. I can't remember like any. <laughs> it yeah. felt very new to me. Um, They're brand new to you. But also—they were <laughs> brand new to me. Uh, oh my god! Try our best. Them. Try our best to <laughs> to not do that. Right, the dad guys. after Dream Daddy last week. Obviously, <laughs> we're gotta have the dad joke. <laughs> we're, we're loaded up on, uh, <laughs> on dad jokes. Yeah. Fanta and dad jokes. But, uh, <laughs> Um, so I'll just I gotta wanna just go over some first impressions. Yeah, um, yeah, please do. And then I have some notes on on the songs that kind of wanna that may tie into the impressions. Yeah, but, I want to um, hear you and Mark's first impressions, and then we can kind of get down to the individual songs. Yeah, cause so um, I I have so many mixed feelings on this album. Not because I don't love it. Uh, I've listened to it about four times. Um, yes, but <laughs> it's just it's no, so yeah. <laughs> it it's so obviously their least ambitious album, and. Uh, it's and also just like lyrically the most like uh uninteresting i think oh um, really and at the same time the yeah because like i think uh um jesse lacy right yeah he was uh he's mostly known a lot for like is like well obviously like all the religious imagery is still in this album yeah for sure but uh he's usually known for being a lot wittier or like more poetic or like Oh yeah, no. I, I mean, know, I mean, like, he's wit- definitely witty is a good way to describe it. I think, and I think yeah, that I agree with you on the fact that the that the lyrics on this album are um, are are a little bit weaker. But I think that that's it's also hard because I mean, like, it's I mean, it's dad rock now because they're older, right? And so, true, it, true, in true. many ways, it kind yeah. of reminded me of the National. Is like it, that's actually what kept going through my head when I was listening to the record. Only, only in like tone, not in some sort of like. It has to be about significant tone because lyrically. Sense. It's just oh nothing no no no! Like, I absolutely yeah. understand, but but I was saying that I was listening to it from the perspective of it being like these older dudes, right? And I think that there is something to be said for like it being hard to keep that kind of like teenage snark, right? When you're in your forties totally, yeah. and stuff. The song, yeah, the yeah, songwriting definitely struck me as being like pretty straightforward, which mm-hmm. I I appreciate. It's. That. It's so straightforward. Like in, um, but that oh I, I didn't grow up with brand new, so like I didn't have any expectations going into this, yeah, except for, sure. for like bad ones. So <laughs> I mean, I was it, yeah. like, I really, it, I really like the album. I think that Johnny and I both really love it. And I would say that like I agree with you on the lyrics, you know, not being really ambitious. But I think that the music is, I think the music is more interesting than you might be giving it credit for. Like it's, it's different than. No, the music is interesting. guess like what's what's interesting? Yeah, I think. One, like we talked about it, but the production is just like it's perfect. It's amazing. I really it's perfect rock music. It really is. And Um, also the And I like I like how um I I've been playing a lot with like um like Moogs and shit. Yeah. Um like so like bass synthesizers and you can tell that like I've I've, like I've dabbled in the same like legitimate Moog tones that these guys must have used. And it's also Um, that what I really loved about the way that they used because there's there's more electronics on this record than pretty much any of their other stuff. I mean there was almost none in almost none. Without it feeling obviously. But like like, not at all. See the thing that I really like that I really attach to in the production is that there's this incredible texture throughout the whole record where you can't exactly tell it's you can't exactly tell what is 
uh, synthesized or what's artificial and what's like you know a pure mic'd analog instrument, for example, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I, totally, yeah, I think totally, that totally, there are these totally, yeah. there are these great moments where they hide the synthesizer in the background, right? And mm-hmm. it really just gives it this underlying depth and texture, rather than making you think that it's just like become an electronic song. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, absolutely. And, and it's kind of like it's kind. Of, it reminds me of like all that kind of post rock stuff. You know what I mean? Like uh, Godspeed uh-huh. You Black Emperor yeah, and I was, shit like I that. I was actually going to say, like, some of the tracks on this album reminded me, like, of, like, Mogwai. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly, like 137, right? oh, like, the, yeah, the beginning sure. of 137 for sure. Totally. And I um, think that it's, I it's to so say, grungy. Oh. That's it. It's, it's, a, it's really, like, yeah, a, it's like a grunge record in so many ways. I actually went through, like, some Nirvana songs to see if I could find, like, this. So I work through, I, I don't have a guitar with me, but I work through some of, like, the progression, the chord progressions. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought it was interesting that they were just like some of these are just so like conventional emo. I know yeah. progressions. Like even like the the, the whole album opens up uh, with the song "Lit Me Up." Mm-hmm. That um, it's just that simple like four five six right up like yeah. the F major, yeah. G major, A minor. I don't know if that's the key, but like but that's but that's that, the changes. That's the intervals. Yeah. Yeah, those are the changes. The four five six thing, and like it still like just works because the the it's like I have a sense that they really just didn't there's some songs I think that play with like chords a lot in interesting ways mm-hmm. um, specifically like the Arabian thing they start doing in uh, Could Never Be Heaven oh yeah it's, like, it's so boom, boom, weird where did that yeah guitar. it comes out of nowhere it's crazy yeah but a, a lot of it I think is like um, the whole record itself kind of feels subdued like um, it's like they took the lessons they learned from Daisy and then just like got rid of a lot of the like uh, like abrasive mm-hmm. elements, yeah. Um, but they still were like interested in these like conventional chord progressions and well, there's, song structures. And it's almost while, there, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's there's you just made me think of this. It's almost like certain songs almost feel campy. So like 451, oh, that yeah. like blues rock song. I love that fucking dude. Song, there's right? this whole thing. It's like you, I don't know if you like offensive. I know it's so it's it's exactly, but I think that but it is are, like it's so self-aware. I think it's I think that song is great, I, and I mean I love that really conventional rock and roll. It's rockabilly, yeah, song exactly. Yeah. It's like diesel rockabilly, <laughs> and then they also do a. Do you know? Do you remember Desert? Yeah. Oh man, um, I love that song. It, I love that song. So that song, Mark once told me he was like, "Dude, you should write a song where you're like um, some right wing." nut conspiracy theorist and i was like oh that's such a great idea and then like they literally do like the brand new style of blues (laughs) and then they write a song about it's all about this right-wing dude who's just like drowning he's like fantasizing about drowning gay guys like (laughs) oh my god really (laughs) under the pretense of faith (laughs) yeah and he's like he's literally like they're trying to take my guns away you know i don't mind shooting them down talking about that's hysterical and they do it under yeah and they do it under the like in like the style of like blues (laughs) while it's not but it's like the obviously the progressions aren't the same but like the rhythmic patterns and um just the overall like the the groove of the movement of this yeah Yeah. the whole groove of it so i think that was pretty funny they also like to me this has to also be their most political album by far oh yeah totally they've never they have this song there's this one song called 137 Mm -hmm. which is like it's titled that i looked it up because it's like um it it has I, I mean this is my guess but it refers to this thing called uh like this element called KCM 137 which is a a fission product um 
by nuclear fission of uranium. <laughs> okay. So, and it's like it's like it's just like about like a nuclear holocaust, basically. Oh, so the, oh, do the whole all like super dope. What's what's the? Uh, yeah. Let's all go play Nagasaki. We can go. Oh, play that's yeah. It. yeah. It's like it we does this like brand new has this thing where yeah. it's like it's the typical emo melody that's like um, <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like demented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like let's all go play Nagasaki. Yeah, <laughs> it feels exactly. like this like you know like it feels like it's it's like sort of like ring around the yeah, rosy yeah. kind of like yeah totally like vibe to it which is like that's like to me like classic um that snarky brand new. Oh, yeah that absolutely. song yeah. that's and this song has like a double entendre that's like he's like setting up the scene where he's talking about like god in the garden of eden mm-hmm. and he's like you made the atom was that some inside joke and like that's like that that's a typical like brand new like uh double entendre i For think sure. but there it, the, there's also, but also in that song, like it's the first time I think he's like referenced a movie. He references Doctor Strange. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, totally. I learned, learned to fall in love. With which the is like I don't yeah. know how much I love that. It seems like so easy. I yeah, and uh, I think that like uh, I, we all love that movie. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, of course. It, and it's the thing weird is that, to yeah yeah to like reference it directly by title, like not by title. Yeah, I mean by title. But the thing is that. Um, that's also, I mean, that's also kind of classic Jesse Lacey in a certain way. I always thought that there was a certain amount of like, like when you listen to Brand New, it should, it's almost like purposefully dated in a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, it, it, it uses yeah. specific elements that are supposed to kind of, um, well, and set it's itself. neo-grungeness. It yeah. has to be like purposefully dated. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it yeah. sounds, I mean, the whole record sounds like it's from the 90s. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's also really shoot. Oh, that's what's great it's about also, it. Like, really Go listen to In Utero after yeah, this. Yeah, and you'll be and, like, like oh, you'll just shit. like, it's the same idea. Yeah, totally. And I mean, but, they're like those shoegazy <laughs> moments about it too that I really like, you know. There are those oh, times yeah. where like the soundscaping gets, I mean, the record's so much about texture for me. So much of what I have to say about it deals with the, the production and the, um, and the musicality, right? Because I didn't go uh-huh. up and read, the, I didn't go and read the lyrics yet. I was just like, I listened to the record three times, but just kind of like had it on while I was going about my day. And the thing is that what stood out to me is that it's, um, when you listen to it in headphones, you realize that there's a, there's a decent amount of depth and dynamics to the whole thing, and oh, yeah. I mean, that's what made the Devil and God, uh, Devil yeah. and God are raging inside me so incredible. Like the production on that record is one of my that's one of my favorite produced records because it's so dynamic. But the thing is, when you play this like just out of your laptop speakers or something like that, you almost get like a Philip Spector um, wall of sound element going on, right? But that's uh, yeah, really totally cool. You end up with these soundscapes and these kind of um, uh, like moving tones in the background and different textures, right? And the best way I can describe it is that it, it really does, um, it really does have that uh, tactile feel to the whole record. I feel like I can like reach out and grab. The oh bones. yeah, yeah, it's like very you know trippy. what I mean, which uh, I love. I just I, I think that I think you know for me this was exactly what I would have wanted out of Brand New. It would have been cool if it was like a little bit more. Um, uh, innovative on the lyrical side or that Jesse Lacey was, you know, had a little bit more of his wittiness and snark, but all over, I mean, this is what it's been eight years since they came out with Daisy. Right. And like Daisy was not my favorite. And it was, so it's been even 2000 and what six, Damn. they came out with the devil and God are raging inside mm-hmm. me. Like this is, yeah. this is triumphant for me. I feel really satisfied with this being the record they put out. Do you know what I mean? Can I, can I get into a couple of, uh, just like quick points real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so did you get the sense, like, all right, so this starts off with um, like a tape recording. The whole album starts off with mm-hmm. a tape recording of um, this uh, 
person who after 400 hours of therapy goes like they start talking about a dream they're having you're talking about like the um, very beginning of uh, they let me up the very beginning it starts playing a tape and i couldn't get the sense if this was just like um like an actual conceit where like we're supposed to be like like a concept putting album. ourselves in them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah in a way yeah where we're supposed to be thinking about like um because there's so many there's so many references to like depression schizophrenia like um just all kind like being in therapy that he literally talks about it in a couple of songs so like i was wondering if like and especially because the album ends with a line that's like um i can't it's not it's never going to stop and like this tape recording starts with like i can't wait for it to stop because i just want to quiet myself yeah um so i but like it I never get the theme never really comes across so clearly what's happening that I'm not sure if it's like an actual conceit or if it's just like an emo like throwaway idea that you just like put everything in noise pollution. No, it's well, there's there's a, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like everything's pretty deliberate on this album. Like it has the, the, the album again as a complete newcomer to like brand new taking this album as a like something unto itself. Um, it has that sort of like almost like that Lynchian vibe of like uh, making the mundane seem like very evil or sinister. I mean, there's like a, sure. there's a song uh, about the atomic bomb on here, but there's also a song about like his World of Warcraft character. So, <laughs> yeah, Dude, yeah, that's what well, that was one thing I want to talk about is like out of mana. That's like absolutely like it's a, crazy a World song. of Warcraft yeah, song, hundred oh, yeah, percent. Yeah, like yeah, it, it totally is because. <laughs> there's obviously out of mana, which would be like a reference to like if you run out of like mana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, wow, no kidding. Um, but also he says um there's one line that's like all the quests all the quests everyone said were too hard, which is like <laughs> clearly completely like yeah. yeah, and then hell is digital, which would make you think cuz you know the game's digital. But then mm. like the most the most ridiculous one to me was at, like he in one of the lines he says smash the smithereens. Yeah, it's like the end of the first Which is it's, it's a quest. That's a wow yeah, quest. It's oh, it actually that's is. The name of a qu- <laughs> that's the name of yeah. a quest. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so it's just like, like, where does this come from? Like, <laughs> yeah, why? I know, right? Yeah, where? Yeah, and it's well, like, if you're talking about like too, a periods like, of like depression or obsession, World of Warcraft is probably a pretty good like place to start. <laughs> <laughs> that's not really ridiculous though, just because no, of, like, how like, many people like video game addiction. I guess he's like putting it in context with like you know, like being lo- the obsessiveness yeah, and like of, the like, kind a right-wing of wing conspiracy nut is probably the same as like someone who's like obsessed with like uh learning min maxes on your yeah <laughs> <laughs> your, and i mean i think it's also about armor. like a per, like i think it also deals with like a social a social isolation right like yeah, that, that's sure. the way that i took it because i mean it was clearly about video games right but the thing is that i thought that was in there i think that that does you can find a way of relating that to this um mental health theme pretty easily i think right and i think that there, yeah, and oh, i think that that makes so. sense um, and also, I think that you might have noticed this, obviously, but like that tape recording comes back once in a while, right? It does, yeah. And and then on top of that, not even if there aren't any, um, even if there aren't any uh, like words being spoken, you will hear the sound of like tape running in the background it's of true. certain things, right? No, it's true. And so I think that there is a connectivity. Like I think that there, it might be, um, it might be kind of an explanation, you know, a conceit, like you said, right? Uh-huh. Because yeah. also, I think it's interesting, this record, in that um, context, the record's called Science Fiction, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. It's not really, like, like a, I think he's obviously making, a like, a case that, like, uh, or he's just, like, making a wordplay with, like, science being, like, a, like, uh, 
therapy, mm-hmm. like psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and the fiction being like he talks about having like imaginary friends. Oh, in one totally. Song and, oh, like, yeah. And, oh, like, and that how, also like, plays probably, into like, that plays into the gaming. Also, I'm just realizing. Oh, yeah, that's true maybe. too. Yeah. yeah, and like just ha- like even mental illness in a way is like a f- like a fiction in that mm-hmm. like it's illusory. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I think that's sort of what he was doing. And then I guess the last thing uh, I just want to say is, like, I'm pretty sure 80% of these songs have, like, references to drowning. Oh, Which really? is, like, uh, like one, it's, like, a very brand new mm-hmm. image system. But it's also, like, such a, like, obviously emo image <laughs> yeah. system as well. You know, that, like, to me, it's, like, I, I, I as a songwriter, I can't square it away. At, I can't square if it's, um, like, a really deliberate image system because like one song i think uh oh god which what is it called um is it it's that could never be heaven which is probably my favorite song yeah but he's like he he comes up with this like really interesting image of like he's like in a like there's a mining town in a that's been like dammed by a lake and he's drowning towards the town and their people singing underneath him and he's saying, as I go deeper, I'm dying less. And all the songs that people singing are about you. Which is like, oh, that's, that's, that's like, that's, that's pretty beautiful. That's like poetic. Yeah. Like, that's like a yeah. good, that's like, that's really, like, that's as probably emo as it yeah. is. Yeah, that's like, what a powerful. Image. Yeah, it does. It, yeah, it's, it's a like, little it, melodramatic, it's, uh, but it's, it's really pretty. Oh, it's completely, yeah, yeah, but like, we're allowed to be melodramatic. <laughs> <in emo laughs> yeah. Music, but, yeah, exactly. What is it if it's not melodramatic? Yeah. Right. It just fucks with your expectations a little bit in like the right ways. But then, like, there's just so many other songs that are just so lazy in its drowning imagery. It's just like, put me under the water, I want to die, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Comple- like Nowhere near the level complexity. of, like, poetry. Yeah. Right, and so I can't understand why he keeps going back to this image if he's, like, actually, like, mate, like really wants you to feel like you're drowning in the image system itself, or if, like, he's just, like... <laughs> that's, lo- that's almost funny. Lo- <laughs> that's almost really funny. Yeah, like, that's hilarious, yeah. but it's, like... <laughs> But maybe he's also just losing it, like he's drowning in his own like age or inability to write songs anymore. <laughs> so I just anyway, that's pretty much what I have to say about it because I can't. That's like the one thing that's like messing with me because the lyrics themselves are not very powerful. Like they're not as yeah, strong. They're not as strong as, as some the, of the their other best stuff. records. Yeah, for sure. But like some like the drowning thing, it's just like it's in every song. It's like actually <laughs> ridiculous. But <laughs> anyway, I still dr- really liked it. Maybe he I wants you to drown in the imagery. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at least at the end of it, it's like supremely catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's just like it melts on your ears. It's super and so like yeah. A lot of like my like anxieties about like the songwriting and the at the level of theme and lyricism like don't really matter as much, and they never mattered less in a brand new album. That's good. Mm-hmm. So. That's probably how I would sum my... Yeah, I feel like uh, I would definitely... I'm, I'm going to be pushing this album on people for, for the next few weeks at the very least. And uh, Mark, how do you feel? Oh, I, I like. I really love the record. Um, I think it is really listenable. I think that it sounds good from beginning to end, It's which is rare nowadays to be able to like actually listen to a record like a record rather yeah, than... Yeah, to have like, like a whole cohesive... Yeah, yeah and I just a, think that... That's one of the t- things I yeah. loved about this. Yeah, I mean, it, totally. The atmosphere stays really consistent throughout, even though it kind of morphs around and changes. Um, but I definitely would say that I I agree with Johnny's notes on the lyrics not being up to the same caliber as some of their better records, right? But at the same time, I mean, this was, um, you know, coming back to this stuff 11 years after writing your opus 
Do you know what I mean? Like Devil and God Rage yeah. is like my is is like I love that record. It might be one of my favorite records. And uh, it, is. it really it stands is. up too. It does. It really does. And, and and like even as you get older, you know, like what I'm 27 now, and like I listened to that record when I was like 16, and it's still and it's like other music I listened to at that time is unlistenable now. Right, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's, it's it's really hard to go listen to taking. It Dots doesn't even that. qualify as music. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's, like it's ridiculous. But that record in particular was like that was like wasted on my youth's ears. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's really a record for me now. Um, but so the thing is that like you know this being eleven years after that record coming out, I th- I think that um, uh, I think it was like an achievement. I think you know it's like a triumphant record in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. All yeah. right, cool. Um, I think that's probably a good place to close that off and get into this is probably the, the segment that we're going to be spending the most time on just because of how relevant it is. Um, it should kind of be fresh in everybody's mind right now. It's kind of hard not to do our politics segment on it, considering that we like explicitly mentioned it in the last podcast, um, like right, <laughs> right when the protests yeah. were beginning. But uh, we, we want to talk about the Charlottesville protests and specifically the like 21-22 minute piece Vice did on the situation. Um, for those of you that have not watched the Vice piece, we strongly recommend that you do. Um, it's pretty straightforward, like, no frills. It's not very editorial. Um, it's, like, pretty much straight-up interviews with, like, the alt-right protesters and kind of, like, man-on-the-street kind of stuff. Um, and there's some scenes... Can I make a point real quick about yeah, that? Yeah, of course. Which is that, um, uh, not to interrupt you, but the, I listened to an interview from the... Oh, God, I don't know her name, but the the uh, the reporter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and she said that because, like, you know, she, like, basically, like, a lot of these white supremacists, they you first get into white supremacy from a place of misogyny, believe it or not. Sure, oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, uh, believe it or not. And no, so, no, like, I believe her, that. The, her, yeah. yeah, I totally so believe her, that. Like, uh, her, like, like uh, womanness was, like, always, like, an issue. Yeah, And so sure. what she said was that, and, like, because it's, like, like, just very scary to be in her position, um, that what she, her tactic was to get them always talking about their beliefs mm-hmm. because that way... She, it would it's like disarming right because right. that like as long as they're like she seems open to their views and not too retaliatory right. she, i feel like if she at any point started like questioning like i feel like the general like line of uh like approach with like these man on the street interviews with white supremacists is like they start to argue and that doesn't work uh <laughs> yeah, so like exactly. the fact yeah. that she just asked questions and then like didn't respond or like didn't ask questions that yeah. were like she didn't the, the really cool thing about it is there aren't any, like, leading questions. She's yeah, exactly. literally just asking them, like, about yeah. their belief systems. Um, because they're, like, the, the thing that struck me so odd is that, like, um, these white supremacists are not, like, the hillbilly, inarticulate, like, No, they're super organized, like, that, militant. Yeah. They're organized, they're competent, they have, like, a line of, um, like, they have like uh, talking points that are like you know that like are grammatically correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. They have they ha- they have the sheen of uh, like making sense, but they don't under like any amount of no. The, like, the thing is, they like, like uh, <laughs> they sort of like they have no problem referring to these sort of like underfunded, negligent ethnobiographical studies that basically equate to like uh, yeah. phrenology. Yeah. But right. they don't have to be right because they're only pandering to one. The, the the I think the most like the most powerful thing about the white supremacy movement is that like very rarely as an orator, do you have to, you literally only have to appeal to one kind of person, which is white yeah, males. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, it's, it's white males who can't get dates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, like it is though. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so let's uh, before we before we spiral off here, let's let's just talk like first impressions, and then we can get into some of the meteor implications of of the, the Charlottesville protests. Um, so, uh, Johnny, why don't you start us off? What are what are like just give us like a, a minute of first impressions of the video, like um, not upon deeper thought, but like what as you were watching the video, what were you thinking? Huh. All right, let me gather some thoughts real quick. I think um, so. The beginning of it starts with their march on the UVA campus. Um, and it's one thing to see pictures because like, as, like mm-hmm. as someone who like has taken pictures that were like, you know, f- that were shot in, uh, the pursuit of an effect yeah. Yeah. that yeah. was pre-designated, um, watching video, it's a lot harder to manipulate. Like, you know, well, yeah, um, we've all seen, we've piece. all seen the pictures of yeah. like white kids and like puffy face, you know, baby face white kids with TV yeah. torches yeah, and polo you shirts. You don't get the sense of like, like you know, yeah. when you're talking about a movement like this, where it's like, even if it's on the level of hundreds being organized, it's like, you know, insane. Like, um, like a picture of, uh, like Trump's rally compared to, I mean, Trump's inauguration compared to Obama's and inauguration is like one thing, like the images, because they're so large. Yeah. It's like, okay, you get a, you get a sense but of like, scope. Yeah. But like, um, you're not going to get that kind of like overwhelming picture when it comes to a movement that only has like hundreds of people being organized at a time. Sure, that's a good point. But it's still insane that it's happening. <laughs> so yeah. you see these pictures and it's not like as moving as watching of it. So like when I, at the fir- when I first watched it, my first impression was like, holy shit, this feels real. Cause I've also been in like, you know, like in a uh, Oakland, I was in Oakland when, uh, uh, on election day mm-hmm. and like, I could show you the pictures, but it's like, okay, whatever. But like being there, it was like, it felt like the end of the world. Like everyone was on the streets, yeah. like people were marching, like stopping. Tra- and, it just yeah. like the video would have told so much more, but all I had was a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, you know, it's, that's just like an experience. So like, I get the sense of like, you know, it may not, it just felt so much more real. And it was so scary seeing these people. Like they were like, also, I thought what was interesting was they were, um, this guy so like at one point she gets in the van with these guys which is also scary because apparently her producer is jewish oh jesus <laughs> and these yeah. guys are going insane about but like they had it was like when we did the torch walk it was and it was like they had already like memorialized these events oh 100 like, yeah. they have the they've moment. got they've, they have like done an excellent job of like constructing this whole white supremacist meta-narrative where like yeah, everything sure. they do has this like super it has significance because like they're organizing and rallying and they get bigger every time and i don't i mean, I mean that's also wrong. just like that's also just like an element of that kind of uh of the kind of nationalism and 100 yeah. you know what i mean so it's it's like that that's like not just a condition that's a tactic 100 you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. yeah uh, totally and the thing is for me like what was shocking about it in, in many ways is that like johnny said dude these guys aren't like dumb Mm-mm. Right when I say like when I say dumb, you know they're what I mean. wrong, but they're yeah, not exactly. Dumb. But and there's and like a total there's a total difference, and that's really frightening. Right? And they don't because have to like at no yeah. point do they have to engage with actual scientific truth either. Because no, like not at all. Like, they have the people they, that they're they, preaching to don't give a shit about it. Like they just exactly. don't care. Their own internal logic doesn't make sense. Like I I found that there's I don't know if you guys remember there's this guy his name is um, they show him in the um, documentary 
and it's like i think it's after the david duke part but anyway he comes up and they're like um he's this guy named matthew heimbach oh yeah that and, guy oh my god he's yeah he's he, nice. and he look he's just he's like a white bro he probably like looks like someone you'd see at like you know your card shop <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah totally but he starts going like you know the leftists they tried to stop us, but they couldn't. The leftists, the capital class, the bourgeoisie is like an actual like verbatim quote. Yeah, says, yeah. Which I it's was like fascinating what are you because about? in the same, well, in the same breath, those bourgeoisie these people communists. Are like, who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like the capitalist class, like who? And then like when they get pepper sprayed, it's like who pepper sprayed you? Communists. The communists. Yeah, the communists. Like, they use this term too that I think is fascinating called cultural Marxism. Oh my god. Which is like. Some like I was just like on the face of it, it's like does that even make sense? Like to like because like a cultural Marxist in my mind would be someone who's like criticizing like um like objects and use value and like you know like capitalistic like extravagances or something, which like seems completely irrelevant <laughs> to the white supremacist well, I think, cause. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that, like just on another level. I mean, I think that so, like I, that term cultural Marxism though, I've always been under the impression that like. I mean, cultural Marxism is basically fascism. Like, it's basically like national socialism. Well, cultural, it's at, well, it comes from this like conspiracy that the Frankfurt School yeah have like uh -huh, had this design yeah. this, like, on the West that it was like, gonna language bombs that are just gonna yeah. like <laughs> yeah right. Like, like, that's like my point. Like, like that, that the counterculture yeah. of the seventies was like you know like some like machination of. Like dudes in Germany on that point, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to mention that like I, I feel like the the white supremacists and the all right do this thing where they like co opt buzzwords from like libertarian and like um like people that are interested in economics so that people yeah. who sort of are already leaning towards that kind of like laissez faire like hyper capitalism that almost inevitably results in like a fascist corporatocracy are now yeah. inclined <laughs> to listen more closely to like what they're saying. And maybe because find some kind of communion this, with yeah. that speech, and then like mm -hmm. that takes their political interest outside of something sterile like economics and into just straight yeah. up white supremacy. It's funny you say that too, because like they like like to levy like insults in like the terms of globalists and communists, but like you can't be both. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I know that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're mutually. You're exclusive. either a global capitalist or you're a communist. Yeah, exactly. Is, There's no such. You can't thing call like, the. Yeah. Jared Kushner cannot be both. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Impossible. And I mean, the yeah. the other thing is that there's um. It's it's also like what Jacob had said about the about them framing these uh, racial and cultural issues in terms of economies, right? That's because they really love to resort to this kind of oh, it's just common sense, right? Right, and exactly, that's like yeah. a, and and like anybody oh, who thinks dude. otherwise is is overcomplicating the issue and doesn't just think clearly and like you know, yeah, it's like reductionism to the point of just like very yeah. clearly falsehood. Can I actually can I actually. I have a quote for yeah, that absolutely. exact Go point. Which is, so do you remember in the – the van was probably my most favorite part because mm -hmm. it was, like, as some – like, I've put myself in some, like, dangerous situations before and, like, I felt that feeling while watching this girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just was like, oh, my God, you are so brave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that it. was terrible. You're but, just, like, in a van with, like, these yeah. giant sweaty racists that are, like, <laughs> they don't want Who you hate there. women and Jews yeah. and that's all you brought to the van. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> But, uh, all right, so there's this one guy who's, uh, that's, like, so her tactic was, like, get these people talking, and, like, so she goes to the back of the van, and he's like, so who are you? Tell me about yourself. Just, and there was this guy, Robert Asmatter Ray, I guess, so he was, like, um, you know, he writes for, uh, 
was it the Daily Storm or Stormfront? Da- uh, I think Stormfront the, uh, the Daily, Daily Stormer, Stormer yeah, are two different things. Is what, yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's it's like doesn't have a website anymore because like GoDaddy. Oh, that's like, Daily uh, Stormer. Voided. Their, yeah. 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 Let me check my bookmarks um, real quick. Yeah, I they, can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so like i i couldn't really find this guy writing on the daily storm but i like i just kind of looked around because he's like said he was a writer and like he like he had talking point on hand and like he was just like blazing through them so i was like all right what else has this guy said here's some things he said that like have to do with like it like he has like he's like co-opting the like feeling of common sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Light me <laughs> Even up. though there's nothing commonsensical about it. <laughs> um, Just fuck my shit up, fam. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. dude. So there's Go one, for it. I'm <laughs> open <one>. and ready. <laughs> So just let's get some reactions here. here. One thing he says is that uh, the Netherlands and Belgium are just as crowded as Japan or Taiwan, but nobody says Japan or Taiwan will solve this race problem, in all caps, <laughs> by bringing in millions of third worlders and, quote, assimilating, unquote, with them. What? Which I just think is what like- does that even mean? <laughs> also, the Netherlands is not as crowded as Japan. I don't understand. <laughs> That's not true at all. But if you just <laughs> like, say it, though. What? What does that even mean? I don't even know. See, that's incredible. I don't know what that sentence means. Like, I'm sorry. I, would re- I would react to that if I could even. I, I literally. That's. There's it's no word, substance. Word rich, I don't but know what semantic. It's, no, it's, it's that like was this like conflation like, of like. He thinks that like. Um, I guess what I'm like. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I just thought it was interesting because like. He's like he's saying that like nobody's asking Japan that you know to take in, in order to solve their race problem to bring in refugees, but like no one is saying that. Yeah, but, <laughs> no one is saying that for anybody. Saying. People so, are saying like bring in like uh you know like immigrants because like they either come from arguments of economics of like um, expansion or yeah. compassion. Yeah, like it's never like oh you're going to solve a race problem with diversity it's like well i guess you could make that point but like most people are not being like we need to bring in people so we oh, can oh like, i finally understand what he said okay i'm sorry i, I literally yeah. did not understand it <laughs> <laughs> okay it was i mean that was confounding that was i was like what and now i get what you mean which well, is the that idea. makes sense because no, it's actually it, nonsensical yeah, no, he's I mean, just like, speaking the way he said the, it makes like, no affectation sense. Johnny, of common sense johnny now i understand the substance of it he's saying that like we as liberals think that diversity will solve the race problem. The race problem being disharmony between races. Now I understand what he meant, but yeah, nobody is a guy. What is anyone bring that up? <laughs> what? I have literally. I am so. I'm so blown away by how little sense that made. <laughs> like, here's. Let me make a. This one is a lot easier, but it's <laughs> a lot easier. The other one was too dense. It's a lot easier to cryptic, get what he's saying, you know, but it's like uh, not even. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is an I am very smart man, but uh, <laughs> here. So another quote he says that I find I find it reprehensible that all these so-called conservatives think that Charlie Hebdo was some kind of free speech guru. When he fired three reporters for criticizing Jews and tried to get the political party Front National banned from France. Oh, my God. The Jews, the Jews who own 96% of the world's media would have you believe that somehow criticizing Muslims is free speech. Or you pull that while simultaneously from- believing that criticizing Jews is hate speech. It was <laughs> <laughs> oh my a brief God. aside. A brief aside. What I one of my like first impressions from the Vice article or the, the Vice video is like um, 
Why are we still afraid of Jews in 2017? (laughs) This is is why I wanted to bring these quotes up is because, like, what does, like, Jewishness have to do with Confederate monuments? Oh, oh my God, right? I know. It's incredible. (laughs) But all the time they're talking about, like, they're, like, They talked about Jews way more than I expected to be, like, anti-black, anti-minority. Not anti-Jew. I think I heard black epithets one or twice, but it was, like, you know, Jew, Jew. I think the most shocking thing I heard besides, like, you know, we'll kill them if we have to or whatever was uh, when the guy was like and then you see such a nice girl like Ivanka with that fucking kite yeah. oh my god <laughs> Jesus. and you're like whoa, whoa people dude. actually I've dude, heard, so I've actually, heard that people might amazing. think this stuff but oh my god dude, with yeah. like the intensity of like the courage of your conviction yeah. and then yeah. this is actually it's what's like, amazing so Johnny and I both went to a, a hoity-toity prep school in Tampa Florida okay and a large portion of our school was Jewish right and I grew up truly believing that like anti-Semitism didn't exist anymore, like in a serious yeah, way. And it wasn't. Uh, no, totally. It, it, like, I thought anti-Semitism was a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And, and so started the by the that, Jews. Yeah, started by the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that I, I truly didn't even I didn't even know until I was until I met my girlfriend Brittany, who is Jewish, and when I was twenty fucking two, right. And she starts telling me about her experience, like just being, I mean, my, my girlfriend doesn't even like, isn't like, you know, the stereotypical Jewish looking person. She doesn't like present like, as Jew. Yeah, she exactly. doesn't like, she no, doesn't. And somehow like it's, it's somehow still something that basically for her, the craziest thing is how often people have said anti-Semitic things around her, not knowing she was Jewish. Right. And I had never experienced that just because of my upbringing. Like, I guess I was, like, sheltered from all this shit. Sure, but, yeah. like, it's shocking to see that, like, particularly the the level of anti-Semitism is just, like, staggering for me. It's, like, total culture oh, I mean, shock. Like, I didn't even I went know to a, this shit was this I went to a high school where, like, uh, kids were the Confederate flag as a belt buckle. And yeah. I didn't hear any kind of, like, anti-Jewish sentiments. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah it I didn't understand. This is why I think that uh, Nathan Englander um, piece in the New York Times was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll put it in our show notes because I think it's really good. And I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll put a bunch I'll, of the, gonna, we'll put the vice the the vice video and any of the articles that we talk about in the show notes yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, but like, he is this like short story writer who was born in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind. Uh-huh. So like, he's not that old or anything. And so he starts talking about like when he was growing up in Brooklyn, like the anti-Semitism that he faced, which, like, you know, he, like, tells a bunch of, like, uh, little stories, like, some vignettes, like, you know, there were, like, th- one thing they would, like, people would commonly do is throw pennies at Jews. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then, that, like, that bully article. them yeah, and make them pick it up. Mm. Yeah. And they would, they would be, like, they would, like, stand in a circle and, like, make the Jew pick up the pennies. Yeah. Um, and they would, like, throw them at their head. Um, and... There was one time where, like, his mom was trying to, like, bust up a fight, and <laughs> and the, the mom was, like, trying to, like, make a plea to the other kid's parents, like, they shouldn't be fighting, and, and the guy goes, yeah, son, if, uh, even if the kid has horns, Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Him. The whole horns thing. And, yeah, and then I guess his, like, he says, like, his greatest memory as a child was, like, when his grandfather, like, just, like, cold knocked this dude who was, like, saying shit about Jews to him. Yeah. And it's just like it was just really surprised. Like I just like this. Like he had to have been in the eighties when this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like back in the thirties. You know what I mean? This yeah, is like very recent. Yeah, and so um, 
there was one time you heard like Hitler should have finished you all, oh my like God. just like crazy shit. Well, you didn't like. It's important to realize it's like this is still like only forty years ago that like people were this brazenly yeah, open just about like, it, that just like so, yeah. you could collect these like public like memories of anti-Semitism. Well, actually, they, um, what I found really what I loved about I read the same article and um, the part that I, that really stood out to me that I really loved was when. Um, what like his memory of starting to feel op- optimistic about the uh, about the yeah. like, American Semitism when he goes to a New Jersey Nets game, right? And uh-huh. uh, they're like you know there are these kids in yarmulkes, right, standing down there like cheering for, cheering and all this shit, and <clears throat> the two sides of like you know fans of the Nets and fans of whoever the visiting team were are jeering each other. But none of the jeers from the opposing team were related to the Jewishness of these, like, openly Jewish kids, like, you know, slinging insults back and forth. Right. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that it never went to um, to Semitic slurs was in his mind, like, oh, this is when you know you made it. When, like, you can be, like, openly Jewish and then you're getting into a heated, like, back and forth, like, you know, fake emotional kind of um uh, uh uh like verbal fight with you know opposing members of a team and yeah. they don't shout something back at you yeah. about about your your jewishness and, and right, i thought that that was a really powerful moment for sure we're, we're um, a little bit off course here let's um so uh, yeah. back to the uh, oh well i i kind of want to just like finish this article real yeah, quick, just ahead. because it like it relates to the the white semitic i mean the um white anti-semitistic like nationalist thing mm-hmm. is because the reason like he makes the point that why this um, Charlottesville was so important in like a horrible way was because um, like it like to like children that like kind of the point we're making where like we didn't even know this anti-Semitism was still happening in a lot of ways it like it just reintroduced it like mainstreamed this ideology oh, that like yeah. we were all thought were had kind of been defeated in a True, way yeah. mm-hmm. um, and the fact that like the president won't like just like so clearly obviously di- like this is like the benchmark of <laughs> yeah if you can do anything competently like the easiest thing in the world is to like denounce nazis denounce not yeah. i don't know of any a sing like it's, it's probably easier to, to like, denounce nazis, nazis than yeah it's not even brave yeah. you know what i mean yeah exactly it's not even brave <laughs> yeah it's like it's probably easier to tie your own shoes or see your own dick but i don't think this guy can do either of those things <laughs> but so like and so like this just like it it allows this ideology to like have a public space and so he ends i just think he was also because he's like a short story writer so he has like a novelistic like spin on events and like the language itself is really well so i just kind of wanted to read the end of it um so he starts while harking back to my pious head covered days i'm reminded of a notion that a rabbi's taught us the theft of time is a crime like any other Back then, it was about interrupting interrupting class. One minute wasted was a minute of learning lost. But multiply that minute by everyone in the room, and it became 15, 20 minutes, half an hour's worth of knowledge that none of us could ever get back. Saturday in Charlottesville was just one day, but think of that one day multiplied by all of us across this great country. True. Think Damn. of the size of that setback, the assault on empathy, the divisiveness and tiki torch terror multiplied by every single citizen of this nation. It may as well be millions of years of dignity, of civility, of progress lost, just from that one day. Which I love. Yeah, I love it beautiful. too because he, he's yeah. using. He's like it. Like his Jewishness is under assault from this event, and he like uses like 
um, the lessons of his Jewishness to like make sense of this yeah. event yeah. at the same time. And totally. I think like uh, even though he's not even like uh, like um, devout or like, something like uh, that. Devout. The other yeah. the other kind of disturbing thing, um, and I, I think we should probably like tie this off in a in a minute or so. But I think the most yeah. disturbing thing to me about just the the Vice video and like how real that coverage was is how weak the left looked. Like how weak the counter protesters looked. They were like you have. I'll put it this way. So like if. We live in a world where I feel like people make decisions all hinged almost entirely on like their aesthetic preferences. So kind of like <laughs> yeah. we talked about last week. So hmm. like, okay, um, you have this this image of like in the in the Vice video. There's I'm sure we're all aware of the guy who like ran a Dodge Challenger through a crowd of people. You have somebody mm-hmm. like in the Vice video. There was somebody who like saw that happen from like 20 feet away and was incapacitated with like fear and like screaming and crying in the middle of the street and then almost immediately after that they you know they they switch over to like they cut to uh christopher cantwell one of the white supremacists who just got maced in the face and he's like calmly asking like hey does anyone have a glass of milk um and then like (laughs) the end of that video is him like showing him having four guns and a knife and body armor at all times. Like if you're making a decision, like remove from the racism of it, if you're just like a young impressionable, like white dude, it's not Mm. that we're not like that. We're not that far removed from that. Like college age, white dude, you see this video. It's like, if you have to pick a side, whose side do you want to be on? Dude, that's such a troubling, complicating point. Cause I don't have like a, like I don't have like a, an immediate answer to it, but that's, I guess it's like um, the way I would uh, my, my first gut reaction to that is like that feels very true but at the same time like if you're actually non-violent aren't you always going to kind of look like I mean it's one like, thing yeah, to, yeah, yeah. in a way it, it's yeah, one thing to look like weak but like qualities. they're like um, it's not weak when I see somebody who's like when I think of like a like a powerful non-violent protest you think of like the Buddhist monk who lit himself on fire or like <laughs> protests that are just like, it's insane displays of like strength just in a way that's nonviolent. These are just like desperate, like why, like they just look like crybabies. They just look like people that are crying in yeah. the street to no effect. And like yeah. you see the effectiveness that, yeah. I, of the I, other I, side. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with it, yeah, actually, you can't t- help, totally. but like they're winning, you know, in that, in yeah. that way they're winning. And no. and I think that that's actually I think that's a really good point because I often have the I, I often have the feeling and I think many like leftists and liberals do that we we are too often um, I hate to use the word offended because it's the word the right uses against us so often but sure, like yeah. what I mean is it's like we're we're quick to be like melodramatic and like it's all Absolutely. it's all a tragedy. Right, and I'm not saying that it's not all a tragedy, right? You know what I mean? That's not exactly. No, what I'm I mean saying. it's definitely. I'm saying tragic. that like that like composure is a virtue. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. That's a really good way to phrase yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like composure is a virtue, and like part of part of doing something about this shit is going to be be like being steadfast and essential and, and like uh, like um, uh, immutable and unwaivable. On particular things that yeah. we, that you like truly believe to be um, uh, objective, and so yeah. when that and that we're just would not require, the left is just not like showing that right now. Yeah, and, exactly. That would well, require not like just throwing that, your like, hands up and crying. And I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, I, 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 I like I understand that you know this stuff is overwhelming and this is some crazy shit. I, I really get it. But like, if you want to beat if you want to beat these people on all fronts, 
right? The whole thing that you have to remember is a, a lot of these, like a lot of the reason that they're able to attract people to the to that movement, the white supremacist movement, is the fact that they don't have to make like a legitimate argument policy. No, they don't have to make cogent points. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They just, so there's, there's something else. There's something else that draws people to that movement. And actually, this is, this is a good segue and I'll, I'll be brief about it, but there is an article on Vox about, um, the ACLU changing their policy for representing particular, um, uh, particular, uh, uh, like permit seekers for uh for protests specifically yeah. they're saying that they will no longer they will no longer represent uh protest uh, you know protest groups seeking permits that uh will utilize firearms in the protest and this is and i can say this very briefly that it's shocking to somebody who knows like you know like like me who went to law school and everything like this and i've studied the issues regarding hate speech in the first amendment the thing that's really shocking is that when all of those guys show up with guns, right? Yeah. And then people are saying to the people with guns in a conversation saying we need to wipe all these people out, get, you know, like that's what we should do, right? I'm trying to frame this as like what would generally be considered protected speech. speech. We should do something, right? Yeah. Is generally always protected speech. And the thing is that when, when that person is saying it to a person – with a gun in the middle of a tense situation where they have the ability, if they wanted to, to go and start shooting counter protesters. Yeah. Right. That might yeah. honest to goodness, that might take the speech outside intent. of the first amendment because the whole thing about, it's not just a declaration of intent at that. Well, point? it's not about like, intent. It it's, it, it's, it's a little bit different than that. Here's the idea. They're, they're a very Let's, simple way of putting it. I'm going to pause here and pivot us into our, our next segment and we can kind okay. of continue <laughs> this conversation there. Um, okay. So, so yeah, it's like, totally. since this is like pretty much directly related to what we just talked about, um, like what, mm. oh, what actually, constitutes perfect. Yeah, go on. an act of terror? Um, I know totally. this one has probably been weighing on Johnny because he landed in Barcelona on the day of the van attacks. Um, but Mark, I know you, that you're going to have some legal perspective here. So I kind of want you to give us the objective reality of like, what is the yeah. legal definition of terrorism? Um, okay. And then we can all layer our sort of personal interpretation on top of that. Yeah, I mean, generally, the the way that the way that federal terrorism laws work is that it is specifically about. I mean, I mean, it's broadly defined. That's the whole idea. That's why, like, there's always a threat. Like, if you are arrested on some sort of federal criminal charge, yeah, okay, then there, if there is an opportunity to possibly bring it within the terrorism uh, statutes, they want to take that opportunity because it's a lot of pressure because there's, you know, enormous Hey, penalties. Mark. Yeah. I have the, the um, U.S. Code of Federal Regulations right here. Yeah, read the definition. I, let me just read it and then you can give me your, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do your, it. your take on it. Um, the unlawful use of force and violence against persons or property to intimidate or coerce a government, the civilian population, or any segment thereof in furtherance of political or social objectives, which I would agree is, like, unbelievably Yeah, that's so yeah. broad. <laughs> but that's, Patriot and, and, Act's and, broad. Exactly. <laughs> like, but, I mean, that's, here's, that's, here's the, that's very the, much on purpose because there's— No, sure. Uh, I, I, like, because of the—it's just a utility thing. Like, the particularly in, you know— I, what do I always say to my dad? Like, cause my dad is, my dad is a, is a reasonable pacifist is the way to put it. And I'm a pacifist, too. <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, only reasonably. And so the thing is that when I was uh, talking to my father, I always say like, you know, we don't play soccer on Christmas anymore. 
Do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where the reason that terrorism statute is written like it is is because we can't like predict or um, foresee right um, exactly what tactics will be the next type sure, yeah. of, of coercion used by, you know, in terrorism. And I mean, the thing is, from a legal perspective, that's it is incredibly broad, but that's also why it's rare for the federal government to actually to actually end up prosecuting on that, right? In many yeah, instances. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, and it's only in, in, uh, in very clear uh, instances. I mean, for example, like this guy that drove the car into the crowd of people in uh, Charlottesville. I mean, yeah. that guy. That guy might have some issues with the federal government over that. I mean, that 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 would seem yeah. to fit under there. And um, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's a, it's a it's a, like a utility thing as to why it's that broad. Okay, that makes right. total sense. Here's my here's my um, so like from a legal perspective, yeah. I think that all kind of checks out, except for the fact that like you know it can be abused if things are broad. But oh, yeah, saying, yeah. Like, but there's like a particular really I'll, I'll just tell you real quick. Specifically, yeah. um, there is constitu- unconstitutional overbroadness, which is the limitation on laws for being overly broad. And the terrorism statute yeah. has already been challenged and upheld on. on yeah. Questions so like of in that sense, it's like um, and from a legal perspective, it's sort of unremarkable. Mm-hmm. The um, you know, but um, so like on the level of like linguistics, I think, yeah. um, or just meaning or cultural theory. Um, terror like calling something an act of terror to me is like problematic maybe and let me um i wanted to use this definition because it, it like it makes you hear it and it's like yeah that sounds like terrorism mm-hmm. but um actually let me let me table that point for a second because i might as well talk about the fact i'm in barcelona and like i yesterday i actually went to where it happened yeah um and they they call it an act of terrorism but i promise you no one was terrorized there like not even like to the point where like i was questioning like if i was participating in like an act of spectacle more than anything if nothing about like i was there basically it's just a bunch of flowers there's cops everywhere there's people chanting all around but you don't get the sense in the presence that one, you definitely don't get the sense of it being terror because no one is terror. Right, everybody's yeah. like... And then you like, get the sense there's just cameras everywhere and you get the sense that like... This isn't a controversial or even that interesting of a point, but that everyone is taking advantage of this from a media aspect. Or they yeah. want to... You know, I, I was questioning my own motives for... We were just walking and we ended up there because it's a very populated yeah, place yeah, yeah. Um, and it has a lot of... You know, it's where you kind of go... I was sitting in the H and M right next to it, thinking about this. Like, yeah. <laughs> what am, what is this actually? Is anyone scared? Is anyone actually memorializing these people in like a real way? It feels as like if almost commodified. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, like at least calling it an act of terror you know I mean? is it, like, yeah. it calling it an act of terror is maybe not because it's an a, an act that um, instigates terror, but because it fits certain cultural. Yeah. Uh, criteria. Yeah, absolutely. All right, like checks off certain cultural criteria such that you're allowed to um, make a media sensation and a spectacle. Out and of so, it. actually, it, and, yeah, go on. I'm finish your point. And it becomes weird too because you're like, obviously, if you were there when it happened, you're gonna be freaked out. Mm-hmm. But one day after the fact, I go, and it's a spectacle. No one's scared. Yeah. Um, and you wonder where. At what point in time did it transfer from an act 
like a, a scary act to one where it became just a site to um, be memorialized by the media's and yeah. like people yeah. around. It. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. No, totally. It's a very it's sc- and so this was the first. You know, I've been. I was like, I went to nine eleven, uh, like the ground uh, zero. The, uh, ground zero um like maybe a year after it happened and like it clearly felt the same way but i wasn't old enough to really like question um my thoughts about it but this was definitely the first time i was like okay i'm here what do i think yeah for sure. and it just it fell it like yes lots of people died and that's it felt like being there was almost a disservice in a way or it felt so fake like, like nothing like, is sacred yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. Everything around you. Yeah. You know, I, I almost right. feel like... Or the, you can maybe put it that, yeah, like, it really puts mortality into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, like, when people say life is precious, it's not just because, like, oh, life's so good. Mm, I love life. But it's like, you can just die and... <laughs> then you have no more life. Act. It's yeah, just over. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's just... It, and your death will not matter mm-hmm. in the way that people are telling you it matters. Like, when you are... Yeah, life isn't, like, life isn't precious, isn't... like, in an individual way. It's just, like, precious in the sense that it's, it's like... fragile. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's, Your point. death yeah. will immediately become something that it's... that Your life, when it's over, it becomes a commodity no, in a way. Totally. Or it becomes... A, Absolutely. You know, it be, and it was just so on display that there was no way you could be there and think that everyone was like sincerely mourning these. People I feel like there's know. like a everyone new, had an agenda. There's like yeah. a new threshold for like how horrific an act has to be before like the place where it happened is sacred. <laughs> as weird yeah. as like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I actually, it doesn't even sound yeah. that weird. I just think that that's true now. Yeah, and I think that like right. I think that there's a good point to be made about like the media implications of uh, of like just the word terror act of terror terrorism whatever you want to call it right and johnny right. and i have had the conversation before where there are these instances where like it's hard to distinguish between so for example the guy that uh had the shooting at pulse in orlando right yeah, um, yeah if you kind of look into that it's not that that guy was like some devout muslim that was like completely beholden to isis and like lived by the right, Quran right. and everything no it's that he was totally. it's that he was like he he, there, he would have gone out and done he something just called violent, out. and yeah, he would yeah. have gone out and done something violent anyway. Right? And he just chose and to this do it was in the name of something. Yeah, instead. exactly, exactly. And for whatever like the reason is in his mind, because he was you know there was clearly like some sort of like mental yeah. illness going on. And sure. so the point is that like it's hard to differentiate. I mean, I always hate when people refer to that as like terrorism. I mean, it's not exactly like it's not that you don't clump that into like an ISIS attack. That guy, that guy was like, you know, that was that was a mass shooting. Yeah, like a like the a way serial that, like, killer Columbine isn't a terrorist. Is, yeah, exa- exactly. Right, exactly. Right? Like, imagine, that was more like, like Columbine or, or like the uh, the Virginia yeah. Tech shooting. You yeah, know what like, I mean? It was more. They like were that horrific, but they were politically motivated. No, exactly, like, they were just and so and, and similar. But this, but yeah. what it, the question becomes like when like th- this definition to me is interesting because um, if you have a social objective to like. All right. Consider this case: like you are somebody who is uh, becomes like a serial killer, and that you want to eliminate women. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, never totally, gonna. Yeah. We, that's it's like so easy things to that happen. That right. It's but no one's gonna be like, that, oh, that's, that's an act of terror. Right, right, right. Like if you go to like a Victoria's Secret and open fire, no one's gonna be like, it was an act of terror against women, even though that would check all of the totally. boxes under any like, yeah, 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 yeah. definition. Um, but the minute that you put it into terms of like 
religion mm-hmm. or politics. Um, yeah, or like it's almost like to me, it's like the problem with terror, like calling things act terrorism, is not that like you know that they're not terrorizing, which maybe is a problem, but it's usually like terrorism against like protected classes of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's you know if you were like. This is the issue too, is that people really want like Trump to call out like on a mosque bombing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's an act of terror. Which is like, in one case, it's like, yeah, definitely like that. Checks but also in bosses, another case, yeah. it's like, do you really like? Why do we even use this terminology? Because well, it's, actually, it's so unhelpful. Well, so actually, I can tell you. I mean, I have always. So this is my own like reading of of the history of the usage of the word terrorism in like, you know, the the modern context that like, I mean, really the way that that term developed was a way of like discrediting guerrilla warfare in other countries. Right. Right. That was like an initial, like that was like one of the, um, the first times that we started using that term term to describe. Yeah. It was like when, you know, FARC in Colombia would uh, raid the take like um, pot shots out of the trees and yeah or like raid or like when they raided the supreme court right so the thing is that like you know i don't think that this is you know this isn't a controversial thing to say but like that word does in fact delegitimize guerrilla movements that might in other in like you know other looks or other you know other oh 100 might have some sort of like legitimacy or something like that right because it's like it's like if you're not capable of committing like of uh conventional warfare against your enemy then like what you're doing is terrorism it's like exactly exactly and and so and and the thing is i am not i am obviously not saying that like you know the killing of civilians in the way that a lot of these these attacks are taking place like that that's somehow that that that's somehow like forgivable because it's some sort of like struggle for like political freedom or something like right. that. Do you know what i mean that's not what it's i'm like, getting is at is revolution okay. terrorism like yeah, if you look exactly, at like, exactly. if you and look I at like the IRA mm-hmm. where like if their campaign of terror absolutely. The was IRA, like successful the, it would have led absolutely. to a political landscape where they were the ruling class so like and, and is that's that still the thing. terrorism like, the IRA like the IRA is another great example because the thing is if you read the history obviously like unified Ireland is a beautiful concept right should you go blowing up bombs in London to get a unified Ireland probably fucking not dude, right? <laughs> but the thing is that like but you know there, there is like there is a line that like a legitimate revolutionary group can cross that puts it into like the delegitimized and and like you know unacceptable realm of what we really think of as terrorism but that term politically like to go back to where this began about johnny's point of why do we use that word where did like you know it's it's uh, when i say like why i mean culturally right um it really began as kind of like a political issue about the fact that like it was a, it was being used to describe things not happening in the united states right, right? Yeah. Um, there's also yeah. a, also just a real tack on. And yeah, like, go ahead and um, let's, let's give our like closing there thoughts. Is, mm-hmm. There is a sense in which like terrorism is useful term in that um, like if you're there's a reason why like um, Islamic terrorists generally don't use guns. It's because bombs. There's like this aesthetic preference yeah, for yeah, like yeah, the yeah. impact of using a bomb, mm. um, which like at, like gives you a sense that maybe that is different then if you're just like going to be a serial killer because um it's about the impact you have the impression right. yeah um but it that's never captured in these definitions because people want it to be about like oh it's because of islam mm-hmm. that people are doing which like might be you, you can make that argument i guess but like 
for it to constitute an act of terror to me, it has to have there has to be an aesthetic. It has to be yeah, almost there's like a specificality like, totally to the yeah. Yeah, there's an aestheticality to the attack, and the problem with that is be like aesthetics is just like so reliant on subjective judgment. Sure, for sure. That um, it's com- in that sense, it's almost unuseful because you get into questions of uh, you know like authorial intent, yeah. things that like <laughs> humanities uh, um, people deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's to me like trying to like make it a legal thing or like. It's just so clearly used in so many political yeah. ways because it's yeah. so impossible. You almost don't big. want to you like can intend it. it. Yeah, it's like I don't like. Yeah, it's just it, it's problematic um, for a variety of reasons. But ultimately, I think because of it hinges on in, impressionism mm-hmm. in a way that like it it gets used. It it becomes um pra- like in a pragmatic way. It's just completely a useless designation that's fair yeah it doesn't give me it doesn't give me any information oh i absolutely yeah that makes sense it's within the realm we Uh can academically like debate this and like get somewhere true but like in the realm of like real life yeah it's it's just so useless yeah yeah, yeah. except to like push political agendas for sure and and also what i will say is that like I, i think i completely agree with you that the word doesn't mean very much and it's like not helpful so like it doesn't give me anything anything that I didn't have already by you calling it terrorism, but sure, the thing yeah. is that right. um, uh, I, w- I wanted to point something out that like you you were talking about earlier, Johnny. Like uh, nobody in Barcelona is terrorized, right? Like that was like you know this kind of like uh, way you put it, right? And that's often you know you see right. like in in cities that are hit by a terrorist attack that the next day or the day after things go back to normal pretty quickly, right? Now, the thing is that here in Miami, I had mentioned this to you guys, that there was at Dolphin Mall, which is like a few miles uh, north of Miami, um, there was a a, like, you know, a a complete panic because there was a scare that there was an active shooter in the mall. Right. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that they're just. There was not an act. There wasn't a shooter in the mall. Right? It, it, even it, close. it was yeah, not even yeah. close. Like it was somebody like dropped a big box. Like I mean, I'm serious, right? Like something like that, oh, God. and just like set off this enormous panic where people like. I mean, I was I was looking at it for like an hour last night because I knew we were gonna have this conversation. I was like, oh my God, this is like what's going on? You know, I tried to follow it, and then to the you know in the end there was like there was you know no confirmation at all. They were like, it doesn't seem like anything happened. Right. So when you when you talk about like the thing about terrorism is like you're not trying to just terrorize people in London or New York or in uh, Barcelona or in Paris. Right. You're trying to like create a whole element of fear that goes far past just those like. Yeah. It's like hyper activism. It's like terrifying activism. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's like pretty much what it is. Right. Yeah. And so there is like so last night when that happened, it turned out to be nothing. It was like that was clearly because just the other day there was, you know, the car thing and the, you know, like there was the Barcelona attack stuff. Right. Right. And so I mean, and it was very clear that that was the reason that everybody was so on edge. Right. And if it's I mean, yeah, I I thought that that was really telling because that that's like (laughs) that's like the terror that they're trying to instill. Yeah, that's the actual act of terror in a way. Yeah. yeah, Oh, actually, beautiful. No, no, that's fantastic. (laughs) Right. That's like a that's a decent way of putting it in to close it off. Right. Like, yeah, the act of terror is like the terror you feel in response to it. Maybe not even just the fucking thing. Right. Like that. Like the, the, the. the terror that like spreads out after the thing is the um, is the factor, that's like the, the qualifying element. Yeah, that's the actual objective, and that might be like the defining quality 
of an act of terror is does it make people other than the people being directly terrorized feel terrorized and does huh. it does it create in them terror yeah right and i think that that's an interesting way to think about it right yeah i think yeah. that's a good way to i think that's a good place to close out um mm-hmm. before we before we go do you guys have any recommendations for our listeners this week anything that you guys have been playing watching reading that sticks out um sure yeah uh um, on Netflix, there's a great documentary called Icarus, um, which is getting a lot of buzz right now because it's really interesting. Um, this guy, he like he's the the original. It's one of these documentaries um, that they, they, it starts from a premise, and it in the pursuit of that premise, it completely devolves into another a deeper uh, area for documentarianism. Yeah. But um, this uh, this guy. Um, oh god, I can't remember his name. Anyway, he uh, he's like a biker, and he wants to like take a bunch of uh, steroids to see if it's going to improve his performance. Uh-huh. Um, and which is like a fascinating premise. Um, we all want to know that. Yeah. Um, and there's like this race in France. It's seven stages. It's very intense. Um, and so, but in his pursuit to do this, he basically uncovers a very deep Russian conspiracy that, like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. It's, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's implicated that, like, allowed, like, Putin to, like, seize power in the way he has. What? Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, that's it's, crazy. And, like, it's, and it makes sense because it has to do with, like, when, uh, the Russian, like, the Olympics were held in Russia. And like it, he basically uncovers this whole conspiracy that ends up with the guy who's giving him drugs. He has to put him in the witness protection program. Jesus Christ! Yeah, uh, crazy. yeah. It's it, it's really good. I recommend it. It's on Netflix. So it's super easy. Wonderful. Uh, it's good. All right, cool. Hour and Mark, half. any recommendations from you? Yeah, I mean, this is this is like, uh, I mean, a lot of people might have uh, might have seen this. Some others may not have. But I uh, watched Upstream Color last night for the second time. That's right? the, I the to guy my who wrote and directed. Boop, 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 boop. Um, Primer, right? Primer. Primer. Yeah, it is. It, what an incredible movie. I, I mean, it is. It is. Uh, on the second time watching it, I loved it even more. And I really, really love Shane Carruth. And I love those movies. And that's but on the Netflix thing is, too, right? It is on Netflix. Yeah. And oh, no, no, no. It is not on Netflix anymore. Damn it. No, I had to. I had to find it illegally um but you can either you can either find it at your local torrent website or um or you can rent it from uh, yeah your local blockbuster and uh but i mean that film is it's how about this it's closest like uh copatriot would almost be like eternal sunshine it's like this okay. inc- right like that's uh, it's very different and much darker <laughs> I but actually I watched would, I would say... for like the twentieth time last night. So. <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, you yeah. did. But so the thing is, you know, his new movie, that Shane Carruth's movie, uh, uh, A Modern Ocean. Yeah. It's like it's like gonna be like like a big budget movie. No or like, shit. I guess he's like film. Yeah, I would also just on that just a tweet like if you can find a topiary, which was a script that he wrote that he like couldn't get produced, and that's why he like took such a time between Primer and oh, Extreme really? Color. It's it's the most insane. I don't. I can't even describe. What's it, it called again? It's Atopia. Most, Atopia. Right? Yeah, Atopia. Like Atopia. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, and also, uh, did you ever see Looper? Oh yeah. Ryan Johnson's like Shane Carruth was uh, like involved uh, in the the uh, time physics. Well, Ryan Johnson sent him the movie, being like, "Can you help me out with these like time travel aspects?" And like he had like he wrote notes. Anyway, it's just cool little trivia. I love Shane Carruth too. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and anyway. so yeah, I would recommend that movie to anyone. It is so beautiful. It is. 
half romance, half really hard, almost impenetrable sci-fi. And then at the same time, there is just like, it's, it's a gorgeous uh, looking film. I really love that movie. If you like pigs, you might yeah, like it. I honestly yeah, might just like watch pigs. it tonight. Yeah, it got, I love oh, you that. Should. You should. You'll it's love it, so Jacob. Good. You're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. All right, and then um, for my recommendation, I've been playing this game called uh, Overcooked uh, on Steam. It's 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 like a really this is much more like lighthearted recommendation. Um, I think it's like on sale on the Steam store for like eight bucks right now. But it's a super cute game uh, where you're it's a co-op game and it's local co-op. So you have two people, uh, or it's like up to four, and you're both in a kitchen. Oh, is this what you were playing with Daniel? Uh, or no, I don't think so. No, I've been playing this with Victoria. No, but it's you're okay. you're both in a kitchen and you have to like cooperate. Um, in order to get stuff to the window, but uh, yeah, like, there's like, so but yeah, there's like bizarre hazards. Jacob Graham. <laughs> like one of this is basically <laughs> Jacob just telling you he has a new girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His recommendation, nice. recommendation: get a get a Cambodian girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we play cute games with you. I've never heard you say a game was cute at all, man. You've already. <laughs> it's, yeah. over, it's over for me. You'll never become a white supremacist. <laughs> Damn, you got a girlfriend. I don't have the time, dude. I you shaved your head and everything, yeah, man. Oh you were so close. Yeah. Um, but anyway, super cheap on the Steam store, and uh, there's like there's different like maps. Like one of the maps you're on, uh, you're like in three moving trucks trying to like throw tomatoes at each other to get them. Cooked. Dude, there's no way this is about. No, this it's game. super hysterical. No, the game is awesome. You are memeing us all, <laughs> sir. I do not meme. <laughs> I did not mean at you. That's a lot. That's such a lot. All right. Well, that's all we. That's great, all we got. Great for, recommendation, yeah, Jacob. Fuck you. <laughs> we can go ahead and cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. All right. Have a great day, guys. All right. Bye, guys.